Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. If there's one thing your average liberal understands perfectly well, it's that there's safety in numbers. Don't go out alone. Bring 80 million people with you. It's safer that way. There is a reason, a fundamental reason, the Democrats are natural joiners and organizers and petition signers, and that their highest virtue is conformity. They know that as long as they're all wearing the same uniform, they'll probably be okay. This is why you'll see one person in Brookline or Bethesda raise a Ukrainian flag in the yard, and the very next day, everybody on the street will have one too. Suddenly, it's an entire neighborhood of foreign policy experts all specializing in Eastern European border disputes. It's amazing. Just last year, these very same people were all eminent virologists, every one of them with passionate views on the details of pandemic management. This is, in other words, not a movement of rugged individuals. This is a party based on the idea of the group, the bureaucracy, the blob. It's the party of weak, fearful people who are huddled together for collective power. When the Democratic Party speaks, it is always with one voice, often in a North Korean accent. One thing the party often speaks about is gun control. No American has the right to own an effective firearm, a firearm that does what firearms are supposed to. They'll tell you this at length. Having a gun like that is just too much autonomy for you. If it continues, you may start to believe that you're a free citizen. And we can't allow that, and we won't. Joe Biden, for instance, makes this point regularly. Watch. We're living in a country awash in weapons of war. I got it done once. I'm going to do it again. Eliminate assault weapons. It's time to ban these. It's time to ban these weapons. The right to bear arms is not an absolute right that dominates all others. You don't need an AR-15. I'm serious. Think about it. Ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Ah, you don't need an RA-15 or whatever they call it. So that's the head of the Democratic Party speaking very clearly that the party's position on guns. If we don't control them, you can't have them. Every Democrat thinks this is part of the catechism. So you can imagine our surprise. The other day, we're driving through Cambridge in the old hybrid Subaru, adjusting our surgical mask to cover both nose and mouth, and listening, needless to say, to National Public Radio, the voice of menopausal liberalism. And as we're listening, we hear this. We're going to play it for you and see if you can understand our total shock. Mass shootings targeting LGBTQ spaces and a rise in anti-trans rhetoric have inspired some queer people to take up arms. New Hampshire's public radio Todd Bookman joined a monthly gathering of a gun group that sees firearms as key to their own self-defense. And as you might imagine, this story does include the sound of gunfire. On a recent Sunday morning, the parking lot of Pawtuckaway State Park in southeastern New Hampshire is filling up with hikers. There's also a different crew packing up warm clothes and weapons. Thank you all for coming to uh, Rainbow Reload. <laughs> Your anti-trans rhetoric makes the trans community carry guns. Rainbow Reload! They're packing heat. There'll be appendix carrying in more ways than one. Watch out. Wait a second, we thought. This is NPR, National Public Radio, suddenly telling you that actually guns are good. They're valuable tools of self-defense really against you. So there are times when guns are good, says NPR. And we thought, well, wait a second. We've been listening to NPR since, well, click and clack the Tappet brothers. And we remember very clearly their position on guns. For example, quote, the U.S. has more guns than any other country in the world. 
This is the same NPR that, in between updates on the latest trans dinosaur emojis, we've been following those very carefully, routinely runs segments calling for more gun control and not subtle ones, like the segment entitled, Many Gun Owners Support Gun Control, So Why Don't They Speak Out? Oh, yeah, a lot, a lot of gun owners support gun control. Of course they do. And yet, here's that same national public radio, state radio, state media, controlled by the Biden administration, encouraging people to go to the gun store immediately. But not all people, just trans people. Guns are bad, except in the hands of trans people. Wow. Here's more. Groups like Rainbow Reload exist around the country, often called pink pistol clubs. It's a place for experts and the gun curious to practice and improve their shooting. But this goes beyond hobby. There's a practical goal here, to prepare and protect themselves. If the world is dangerous, then you have to be dangerous back. And that very much has pushed me into um, where I am now. The gun curious. Well, you know, when NPR describes something as the fill in the blank curious, then it's a good thing. The pedophile curious, not the gun curious. The world is dangerous. You have to be dangerous back. Now, is that a quote from an FBI indictment of the Proud Boys? No, it's from an NPR segment. At this point, it's hard to tell the difference. And the lip smacking NPR reporters just say it without any sense of self-awareness at all. What is going on here? Well, you know what's going on here is that NPR has decided that guns are bad, except when the enforcers of its ideology have guns. You can't have guns, but faithful servants of the Democratic Party can. And that makes sense because like all totalitarians, they want a monopoly on force, right? So debate ends at that point when one side has all the firearms You don't have to argue. You say, well, you can't change your sex. (laughs) Shut up, bigot! Bang, bang! (laughs) What's interesting is this is not just one NPR segment. The social justice reporter from NPR station KNKX in Seattle, a reporter called Lily Anna Fowler, just reported on a fascinating story. It's the suicide of a self-described trans person called Usi. In case you want to look it up, it's E-U-C-Y. Here's how that NPR reporter described the suicide of Usi. Quote, spoke to Rachel, a friend of Usi, the Ballard resident who died by suicide yesterday while being evicted by King County Sheriff's deputies. Rachel says her friend had tried to get help in paying rent, but exhausted all options. Well, that sounds awful. So here's a person who's fallen on hard times like so many Americans, is getting bounced out of her apartment and kills herself out of desperation. And Anyone hearing or reading that dispatch from NPR reporter Lily Anna Fowler would feel pretty bad for the person who killed him or herself. Politics aside, completely. But it turns out NPR didn't tell the entire story. What NPR left out was that Usi had shot a sheriff's deputy prior to killing himself. In fact, Usi put that sheriff's deputy in the hospital where he remains tonight after undergoing emergency surgery. That wasn't of any interest whatsoever to NPR's social justice team. They just didn't care. What they wanted you to know was that Usi was part of the trans community and Usi died. And so Usi's life matters much more than anyone's, including the cop he shot, and certainly more than yours. So what underlies all of this? It's not about trans rights, of course. Do you really think Joe Biden and his 
faithful vice president care about trans rights? Not one bit. About as much as they care about the daily suffering in Selma, Alabama. Not at all. Selma, Alabama is a desperate place. Poverty and violence define it. But they show up once a year to relive the civil rights movement and then they leave. That's how much they care. And that's precisely how much they care about the trans community. The trans community, of course, is a vehicle for something else. And it's always the same thing, which is political power. And political power made possible by political violence. They want to be able to commit it. And they want you defenseless so you can't fight back. A lot of people in this country want it, not just NPR listeners. When police were holding a press conference about the shooting, again, the shooting of a police officer by a trans-identifying individual called Usi, activists heckled the police spokeswoman as the cop was in the hospital undergoing emergency surgery. Why? Because they said the spokeswoman misgendered the shooter. Watch this. We've been led to believe that, that your 29-year-old man is actually a transgender person. Is there any truth to that? I have no idea. Um, I actually knew the person. They are trans, and I ask that they don't be dead named. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so obviously this country has reached peak frivolity. The officer is in the hospital fighting for his life, but the debate is whether we're dead naming someone who shot him. So the people in that frame, and a lot of people actually who listen to NPR, care more about pronouns than human life. NPR would rather you didn't know any of this. We only know that this actually happened because reporters like Jason Rance and Andy Ngo, one like NPR, don't take any money from taxpayers for paying attention and knew the details. And by the way, Andy Ngo has run the numbers about these claims of violence and genocide against the trans community. And here's what he found, having done actual research into it. Quote, there is no genocide of trans people in the U.S. or anywhere in the West. In fact, there's been an explosion of trans-identifying people, which research suggests is a social contagion spread by social media fads and youth peer pressure. The few dozen trans people tragically killed in America each year are usually murdered by black men in the course of prostitution activities. So we believe that that is factually true. None of that ever gets mentioned, of course, least of all on national public radio. What does get mentioned? Well, the neo-Nazis, of course, they're the real threat. They're the ones targeting rainbow reload militia. Watch this. One of the members, Sharon, recently transitioned. And I went from concealed carry every once in a while when I was sort of feeling it to every single day because reading the news, having a few experiences, realizing that I've gone from old cis male white upper middle class really no no real fears about anything to there are people that just looking at me will want to hurt me there's that individual fear fear of what may happen simply existing in public but for some there's also a more organized and ominous threat including a neo-nazi group now active in new england that's targeted trans people <laughs> The neo-Nazi group active in New England. <laughs> the least right-wing region in America. Every state is blue. But there's a neo-Nazi group that's terrifying everybody. Look, just to be clear, we're not against people, American citizens, carrying firearms, having firearms. We support it, including trans people. It's fine. But what you're watching here is not the exercise of the Second Amendment. What you're watching here is political hysteria, fear, ginned up on purpose with maximum dishonesty in order to get people in a state of agitation, armed people in a state of agitation. Doesn't matter if they're trans or not, whatever that is. 
It's the same template always. Scare the crap out of your voters, tell them that their lives are at risk, encourage them to get guns. How do you think that ends? But by the way, if we're following the logic here, and why not, that's in short supply in this country, you have to kind of wonder, like, what's the limit to this? So if trans people are in fear for their lives in every region of the country, including New England, which apparently is crawling with Nazis now, why wouldn't we be arming them as we are, say, Ukraine's trans army? And there are famously trans people in Ukraine's army. They're very, very proud of that. So why stop with AR-15s? I mean, why not F-35s <laughs> or tanks? You know, that's a question for our highest ranking trans admiral, Richard Levine. Here is Richard Levine in July of 2020 describing the threat. The most vulnerable among us continue to suffer, including LGBTQ individuals of color, LGBTQ youth, LGBTQ seniors, and LGBTQ immigrants. So none of that is factually true, as we just told you. In fact, some of the people he's describing are not the most oppressed in our society, but literally and measurably the most entitled and privileged. The Biden administration hired a kid to oversee nuclear waste disposal whose only qualification was his sexual fetishes. So no, there's not genocide going on. There's some weird affirmative action program going on. But if you listen to NPR, you wouldn't know that. And that kind of talk might scare the heck out of you. And if they encourage you to go get a gun and arm yourself because Nazis are taking over Vermont, you might do it. Again, we're as for guns as you could possibly be. But this seems like an incitement. Subscribe to the Fox News YouTube channel to catch our nightly opens, stories that are changing the world and changing your life. I'm Tucker Carlson tonight. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Let's enter fantasy land for a moment. Let's pretend for a sec that our country had a news media that was interested in bringing you the news, not in lecturing you about your moral inferiority, you're so bad, or lying to you in transparently obvious ways. January 6th was an insurrection, guys. Or even in forcing you to repeat whatever childish slogan they've come up with this week. Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. Okay. Trans women are women. All right, say it or else. Let's imagine instead that we live somewhere completely different in a country where the media felt obligated to tell you what was actually happening in the world and why it matters. What stories would we be talking about right now if we lived in that country? Well, here are the first two. Earlier this month, Iran and Saudi Arabia, the two most significant powers in the Muslim world, announced that after generations of proxy wars and snarling hostility to one another, they will be resuming diplomatic relations. Peace has broken out between blood enemies. As recently as last year, very few would have thought that could happen, and now it has happened. And it's happened, and here's a significant thing from an American perspective, it's happened because China, not the US State Department, but the communist Chinese government, brokered the deal. The world's largest atheist state has halted religious conflict between two theocracies. Did you see that coming? Probably not, but there's more. Yesterday, China's President Xi turned up in Moscow to announce a new partnership with Russia. Going forward, Russia will supply much of China's oil and natural gas. Vladimir Putin also agreed to use Chinese currency in trade with Asia, Africa, and Latin America. Once again, holy smokes. 
As with the Iran-Saudi summit, very few people imagined anything like this could happen just 18 months ago. Quote, change that hasn't happened in 100 years, Xi said, is coming, and we are driving this change together. Now, what change was Xi talking about? Well, the end of American global hegemony, the end of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. For 100 years, he got it right, since the close of the First World War, the United States has been the preeminent nation on Earth. For 40 of those years, we were locked in a Cold War with the Soviet Union, of course. But at no time, no matter what they may have claimed, was there ever really a question about who was the most powerful country. We were the most powerful country. It was the American era. That era just ended, a little over two years into Joe Biden's presidency. But amazingly, no one in this country seems to notice that it happened. That story is not leading the news tonight. Instead, we're arguing about whether or not to arrest Donald Trump for a fake crime to keep him from running for president again. Over at the White House, our senile president just gave some sort of medal to a sitcom actress, presumably for her bravery. You read those scripts so boldly. CNN is covering that story like it's the moonwalk. On Twitter, meanwhile, people seem excited that our vice president has sent a letter to a transvestite TikTok star called Dylan Mulvaney, who is famous for dressing like a six-year-old girl. Kamala Harris is very proud of him. That's the news we're getting. It is Weimar, but dumber. Meanwhile, the world beyond Morning Joe is changing faster than at any time in, well, as Chairman Xi correctly noted, about 100 years. None of these changes will make life better for your grandchildren. But since many Americans don't even know they're happening, the outcry here has been limited to a few insightful but deeply frustrated bloggers on social media. They see clearly what's happening. No one else seems to. It's driving them insane. There are still people in this country, for example, who seem to believe that the so-called climate agenda is actually about the climate or about the environment of the earth or something, and not a coordinated effort by the government of China to hobble the U.S. and the West and take its place as the leader of the world, which, of course, is exactly what's going on. It's pretty obvious when you think about it, but most people don't get a chance to think about it because the propaganda is just too thick. It's unceasing. It never ends. Here's the latest on the front page of papers around the country. The head of the United Nations demanding the United States blow up its own economy, otherwise the world will end. Humans are responsible for virtually all global heating over the last 200 years. The rate of temperature rise in the last half century is the highest in 2,000 years. Concentrations of carbon dioxide are at their highest in at least 2 million years. The climate time bomb is ticking. <laughs> so when someone who knows nothing about science, whose job it is to act as a proxy, a puppet of the Chinese government, starts wagging his finger in your face, claiming scientific expertise and telling you what to do with your economy, at the very least, you should pause for a moment. And you should also remember that the United Nations has been saying pretty much the same thing since at least 1989. That's the year that the Associated Press reported that, and we're quoting, a senior UN environmental official says entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels if the global warming trend is not reversed by the year 2000. That was 34 years ago. Happy to report we're still here. So has the science changed? Well, apparently it has. Not that anyone will acknowledge that. But the shouting remains exactly the same. And the AP doesn't seem to have archives it can check to find out, have we written the story before? So they just keep writing the same story. Two days ago, they wrote this, and we're quoting. Humanity still has a chance, close to the last, to prevent the worst of climate change's future harms, a top United Nations panel of scientists said Monday. But doing so requires quickly slashing nearly two-thirds of carbon pollution by 2035. 
<laughs> okay, Associated Press. There's even a quote from the UN Secretary General. Again, not a scientist, a puppet of China, but pretty good at slogans. And we're quoting, humanity is on thin ice, and that ice is melting fast. <laughs> Are they publishing the same piece and just moving the dates around? Not really, actually. Because if you read it closely, if you took a look at the UN's entire report, and actually we spent the day doing that, there are big differences in how they plan to solve global warming. This time, the plan is much more explicit. Make the West, the United States primarily, but also Western Europe, blow up its own economy, while China, the fastest growing economy in the world, doesn't have to do anything. And in fact, they're not doing anything. China is currently building, well, two new coal plants every week. Every week. Not good at math, but that's like... 104 a year? <laughs> That's a lot of coal plants. How many are we building a week? Zero. Pretty weird for a country committed to fighting climate change. Well, the report says that compared to Eastern Asia, North American countries have a 33% greater obligation. How do you measure obligation? Is there a scientific scale for that? But a greater obligation, 33% more, to accelerate spending on, quote, mitigation investment flows to, quote, limit global warming. Okay, the West has that obligation. Now, if you were to go by like real numbers, you might notice that China's carbon emissions today are more than double our carbon emissions here in the United States. So we're spewing less carbon, they're spewing a lot more carbon, but we have to spend more because we have a moral obligation because why? That's not explained. But later in the report, the United Nations does say this, quote, actions that prioritize equity Climate justice, social justice, and inclusion lead to more sustainable outcomes, co-benefits, reduce trade-offs, support transformative change, and advance climate-resilient development. Adaptation responses are immediately needed to reduce rising climate risks, especially for the most vulnerable. Equity, inclusion, and just transitions are key to progress on adaptation and deep societal ambitions for accelerated migration. <laughs> That's science. Try not to use a swear word on TV, but I think we know what that is. It's BS. The report continues. We need, quote, meaningful participation and inclusive planning informed by cultural values and indigenous knowledge. Indigenous knowledge. Now, how much of that, that's directly from the UN report, how much of that sounded to you, probably not a credentialed scientist, but a person with common sense, how much of that sounded like science? All of it, says CNN, all of it. Humanity is on thin ice and that ice melting fast. That warning, courtesy of the United Nations Secretary General, made in tandem with a brand new United Nations report labeling the planet a ticking time bomb. It is worse than we ever thought it was going to be, and the time is ticking in order to defuse this climate bomb. The climate time bomb is ticking. That's according to the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's report. There's no such thing as climate alarmism anymore. The, the, the time bomb is ticking. The new UN report warns the climate time bomb is ticking and the world is running out of time to avoid catastrophe. <laughs> There's no such thing as climate alarmism anymore. Nothing you say can be too extreme. It doesn't matter. That's science. For the Chinese, it's just so easy. How do you win a war without fighting? By getting your adversary to kill himself. Well, how do you convince a strong, self-respecting, powerful country like ours that has ruled the world for 100 years to do that. Turns out it's pretty easy. You take a collection of dumb, desperate people in middle age, hoping to keep on to their stupid TV jobs. You add scripts and some hairspray, and they just repeat the lies for you 
And then all the people in the countries were not, yeah, that's exactly right. We got to do that. Respect indigenous knowledge. Stop driving our cars. And the amazing thing, it's kind of working. So what exactly is the science behind all this? Well, on Substack, actual scientists now reside. A political scientist called Roger Pilkey did a deep dive on where these people got the idea that the world will end if temperatures jump 1.5 degrees Celsius. That's the globally accepted goal, according to the AP. Well, it turns out that globally accepted goal originated in a newspaper advertisement and a draft paper that was not even peer-reviewed. Now, it's in the Paris Climate Agreement. That's the power of marketing. But what's the point, of course? What's the point of the marketing? It's to destroy one civilization to be supplanted by the next civilization. Unfortunately, we're in the one being destroyed or that is destroying itself. And no one at the UN, by the way, cares about the data where it came from because the real goal has nothing to do with the environment. Of course, duh, look at the pollution. If you cared about the environment, this is a tough time to live. But ever since Julian Huxley took over UNESCO in the 1940s, pushing Malthusianism, the idea that the world's overpopulated has been the dominant way of thinking for the people in charge, except with respect to their own families, they have as many kids as they want, but you're not allowed to. And that leads to moments like the one we saw a month ago where the Harvard historian, Naomi Oreskes, wrote an op-ed in Scientific American entitled, Eight Billion People in the World is a Crisis, Not an Achievement. Well, if you're one of those eight billion, that seems like hostility. If some chick is writing a piece in a science magazine about how your existence is bad, that might make you nervous, right? It should. And it may explain why these people oppose nuclear energy, which seems like a solution, but they're against that too. So it's not really about carbon emissions, is it? It's about hurting people, specific people. They think there are too many people. And this view is very widespread. It's why the leaders of the Democratic Party are always in your face telling you to get an abortion. Hurry up and get an abortion. It'll help the GDP. It doesn't hurt, of course, that getting rid of fossil fuels would mean a lot of Democratic Party leaders will get a lot richer. Their donors certainly will, the ones in the renewable industry. It also means a ton of money for people with no skills at all, like Jen Granholm, who's now the energy secretary, who owns stock in these green energy companies while she was in office. It's also corrupt. It's unbelievable. And they're in your face. There's no such thing as climate alarmism. Shut up and accept it. This would explain why Joe Biden campaigned on ending fossil fuels and bringing about economic devastation for millions of Americans back in 2020. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those, either any fossil fuel. No more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. But I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? Imagine living under the rule of people like that. Imagine living in a system where we, with a straight face, ask someone who's never had a real job in his entire life, who has no idea where electricity comes from, probably can't even change a light bulb at this point, about our energy policy, and then taking his answer seriously. And what do you get when you do that? And apparently we did. 81 million votes he got. More than Obama. Really? Shut up and accept it. Well, the result is now our strategic petroleum reserve, maybe the most valuable thing the United States government owns, 
is depleted. And Russia, which we say we hate, is now once again one of the most important energy suppliers in the world. Meanwhile, your energy prices went up at double the rate of inflation last year. So what are we looking at here? Well, there are people with economic agendas benefiting from solar panels and the wind farms that kill endangered species. Uh, and there are the illiterate cultists in academia who are just for this because they're for it. As if to prove that point, Greta Thunberg, who just deleted a tweet from five years ago saying the world's going to end in five years, is about to get an honorary degree from the University of Helsinki. This is a girl who made a living by not attending school. So what's the degree in? It's not science, not climatology. It's theology. But the real agenda, of course, is much bigger than any of that. It's the great global reshuffling that is going on now beneath the notice of most Americans. We're going to wake up one day and realize we're not in charge. And this is part of the reason. Subscribe to the Fox News YouTube channel to catch our nightly opens, stories that are changing the world and changing your life. I'm Tucker Carlson tonight. President Trump could soon face criminal charges. Former President Donald Trump is claiming that he will be arrested Tuesday. Manhattan DA is continuing its investigation of Donald Trump's role into hush money payments. Former President Trump could be indicted. America's far left now following in the Soviet Union's KGB footsteps. Show me the man and I will find you the crime. Tonight, why the latest attacks on President Trump? The New York grand jury may have already returned an indictment for former President Donald Trump. Should terrify every American, because next time it could be you. Plus, why all this is a distraction for so much more. Tonight, the real reason they're going after Trump again. Hello, America, and welcome to the program. Tonight, I, I do want to talk to you about uh, President Trump and what is happening. And, and this is really important for both the right, left, and everybody in between. Um, this is what banana republics do. Uh, I was talking to Mike Lee years ago, and I said, Mike, everybody's shouting, lock her up. She did a crime. And he said, okay, all right, hang on just a second. He said, that has to be proven in a court of law. And I'm like, yeah, right. Uh, and he said, do you really want to take presidential uh, possibilities and throw them in jail? My response was, yes, I don't care who it is. If they broke the law, they should pay the price. He said, Glenn, once you do it once, you think the other side's not going to do it? So you go back and forth, and you start putting people in jail you don't have a republic, you have a banana republic. And if, if you don't arrest everybody the first time, the next group of people get in, they'll use it. It's a bad precedent. We should not be doing this. Now, did he do the crime? Well, let me start bringing you back to a, a time, it was about 12 months ago. It was in March 2022. The story happened. It flew so far under the radar, virtually no one heard it or even gave a crap about it. Hillary Clinton had broken campaign finance laws and quietly, and I want to emphasize on the word here, quietly agreed to pay a fine. Okay, so what did she do? Eh, nothing really that anybody noticed. 
All the Democrats did was finance possibly the biggest political hoax in American history, the Steele dossier and the Russian collusion sham. They created it, paid for it, and labeled it, rather benignly, as legal services. Okay. I just want you to know that. She paid, I think, a $10,000 fine. Now, let's fast forward to last Friday. By the end of the day, media outlets began reporting from unnamed sources that law enforcement agencies were preparing to arrest the 45th president of the United States as early as this week. The story is as old as 2018. The left was throwing everything they could at the wall, hoping something would stick. Everything President Trump and his family touched was suddenly fair game, and it had to be criminal. It was open season for left-wing activists, lawyers, and radical blue state district attorneys. Cases were being looked at with the Trump finances for the Trump companies involving a case that allegedly had hush money paid through Michael Cohn. Now let's go back to the article from NBC. Cohn was later repaid with the money he shelled out to Stormy Daniels through payments that were listed by Trump's company as legal fees. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is investigating Trump for felony falsification of business records. Now, wait, hold on. Misrepresenting legal fees that allegedly led to a campaign finance violation. Hey, that sounds exactly like what Hillary Clinton and the Democrats quietly settled by paying a small fine. Why is this one being fingerprinted? And by the way, the statute of limitations is way past. This case started in 2018. It was halted by federal prosecutors in 2019. They had nothing, okay? Then it's brought back by an activist Manhattan district attorney who I guarantee you is gonna be running for governor. It's a purely political hit job. There are no new facts that have come out. Nothing has changed since 2018 and 2019, except, I mean, if I want to tell you entirely the truth, the one thing that has changed is uh, statute of limitations have run out. Oh, oh, and Donald Trump has declared that he's running for president again. For these radical leftists, that is Trump's true crime. For them, his felony was humiliating Hillary Clinton in front of the entire world and standing in their way. And for that, they will never stop looking for something to try to put him behind bars. So let me tell you about this New York district attorney. His name is Alvin Bragg. He bragged about suing Trump more than 100 times while he was on his campaign receiving money from George Soros. But justice in stopping crime isn't why Soros funds these radicals. They don't give a flying crap about crime and suffering. And Alvin Bragg is one of his poster children. He caused an uproar when he announced he wouldn't prosecute certain crimes like resisting arrest, drug crimes, and others. The result has been a spike in felonies, the likes of which have not been seen in 15 years. New York has become a hellhole. Take a walk in Manhattan. You know what it smells like? It smells like um, 
like a like a pot palace, you know, a pot palace that is on fire and then somebody put it out by pissing all over it. That's what New York smells like. It's great, especially this time of year. You step inside a store, everything is locked behind plastic barriers to fend off all of the shoplifters. Go to the go just to the drugstore. Everything is behind glass now and locked. New York City, a, a city that I actually really love, is rapidly descending into chaos. It's a nosedive. But people like George Soros, he doesn't care. He's not funding district attorneys to be crime fighters. He's funding political hitmen. That is what Alvin Bragg is. And Trump is his mark. Every day, the Democratic Party walks our country into the direction of the Soviet Union. This is not the justice system of our republic. This is what communists and dictators do. Do you even recognize our country under Joe Biden? Look at this example. Donald Trump posted this on social media on Saturday. Quote, the far and away leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States will be arrested on Tuesday next week. Protest, take our nation back. Well, by and large, the president got hammered for saying this. Kevin McCarthy pushed back and said, we want calmness out there. I agree. We need level heads. We need calm. We don't need riots and violence. But that's not what he said. He said protest. That's American tradition. But do you feel comfortable protesting? Why not? When in this country has it ever been un-American to call for protests. You ever remember a time like that? Hmm. You know, the French are currently protesting in the streets of France over Macron's action against pensions. Consider this for a second. The French feel as if the right to protest is one of their God-given rights, and they haven't even written it down. We have. The French feel safe enough to do this in their own country. That is how far our country has changed because you don't feel safe to exercise your rights. You don't know who's gonna be standing next to you. And if you're standing next to somebody who has different points of view, it's not their fault, you shouldn't have been there. You could be the little old lady that was, was given a charge with the crime of parading in the Capitol on January 6th. A little old lady, several of them. That's why you're not out in the streets today, and they know it. But their monsters could be out in the street anytime they want. Biden's Department of Justice has led a shock and awe campaign that resulted in 1,000 arrests over January 6th. They, quote, literally want to double down arresting another thousand. This is the political climate we live in. This is Cuba, not America. Democrats are trying to jail their political opponents. That's what Chavez does, not an American president. We've seen this in Russia, China, North Korea. Anyone that might want to protest has to consider the wrath of a weaponized Department of Justice. They have to consider that the FBI might be undercover goading them into something that somebody next to them might do and you get charged with something. That's not America. We are now being told that law enforcement doesn't expect anything to happen until next week. Is that true? Are we being screwed with? Or is this one giant 
distraction. You know, I used to always say, watch the other hand. Well, we're all talking about Trump. What else is going on? What are they trying to distract us from? There are so many tripwires. There's so many things that they don't want you looking at. They don't want you walking through. I've lost count of all the ones that could either bring our country down or bring down the radicals within the Democratic Party. That is now the direction we should be looking at. The left knows they don't have a strong case against Trump. Everyone knows that. The government knew that back in 2019. They stopped trying. But does anyone actually believe that Donald Trump could get a fair trial in Manhattan? We'll have no choice but to concentrate on this blatant violation of justice. And while all of this is happening, the fundamental transformation of America will continue. The democratic behavior will go unscrutinized because America is distracted. Well, not this program and not you tonight. Distracted from what when we come back? Okay, um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but things are a little on the edge right now. Uh, I was just drawing this, this guy. This is our, our happy republic. And we keep getting closer and closer to the edge. And then I think at some point we end up kind of like that. Okay. We shouldn't get closer to the edge because we might fall and end up a splatter. I mentioned earlier that there are so many republic breaking tripwires right now. I've almost lost track. Um, the pressure is everywhere. Um, you know, and you can believe that the Biden government doesn't want us to really look at all of these because all of these have the ability to fundamentally transform this country. So why are they going after Donald Trump now? Well, there's lots of reasons, but I would like to start with the granddaddy of them all distraction from the banking crisis, the banking crisis, inflation, by the way. The Fed that told us inflation is just transitory. If they raise the interest rate today, the banks were worried that, uh, you know, we might have a whole bunch of banks go down. Well, they did raise it. You know why? Because they're terrified of the inflation that is coming. They couldn't not raise the rates today because of inflation. What does that tell you? This gives you flashbacks to 2008. Uh, you, should, you should read on because the next chapter is much worse than 2008. The banking crisis spreading to Europe. Credit Suisse has been in operation for 166 years. Switzerland's largest bank, UP, uh, UBS, had to do a hasty deal at the very last minute to buy them out. Quick, before the markets open. The deal was so last minute and rushed, the New York Times reported, quote, so hastily assembled was the deal that UBS told analysts that they didn't have the time to fully model all of the financial impacts of buying Credit Suisse. Okay. I, you know, Credit Suisse has had its problems, but 
Deutsche Bank has been on the edge, too. What's going to happen with them? How many banks here are facing this same scenario? This rate going up 0.25 today, uh, is that going to put any of our other banks in line? And by the way, if we bail out all the banks, isn't that nationalizing our banks? The former chair of FDIC said on Friday that we could be on the verge of a Bear Stearns moment where government bailouts encourage more bailouts, like what happened in 2008. But it does not end the way 2008 ended because we had the money back then or we just printed. But now we have inflation. This is a knockout punch for the entire West if everything isn't played exactly right. Yeah, riots on the street would be a, a really good time right now, wouldn't it? Now, I'm not saying to go out and, you know, stock up on your food supply, but I'm not not saying that either. There is clearly a ripple in the force. It's like I heard millions of voices cry out. Yeah, yeah, that's the economy. And the Biden administration is trying to brush everything off as business as usual. It is not. The Fed doled out $160 billion through the so-called discount window to keep these banks afloat. That's record shattering. The Fed discount borrowing hit $111 billion in 2008 before they shut it down. We hit $51 billion during the pandemic. We just did $165 billion. Whatever anybody says, that's not usual. And have you seen what some of our biggest corporations are doing right now? Disney just announced they're laying off 4,000 people. Amazon cutting 9,000. Facebook, 10,000. Google, 12,000. With the exception of Google, all of these cuts were announced within the past couple of weeks. The ripple in the force. It's all of a sudden they all stopped. Yeah. It's becoming a wave. This is but one of the things Biden is trying to downplay. They've been telling you forever, oh no, it's transitory and uh, prices are coming down. They're about to go out of control. And speaking of out of control, the border. Do you know this year, in the last 12 months, we've put 2 million people on our border into our country. Those are the ones we know about, okay? We caught some of them but these guys got in 2 million in 12 months. So, you know, that number is bigger than the entire Trump administration. He's done it in one year. Border Patrol chief just admitted we have effectively lost operational control of the border. We are now averaging 189,000 border counters a month. That's three times higher than we saw under Trump. And these are the ones we know about. We have no idea how many got away, how many are on the wanted list or a terrorist list. Two million crossings. Again, Trump's entire four years in one. I told you earlier how Biden's wanted to reset another uh, or to arrest another thousand January 6 protesters. Really? This is but one example of a government that continues to weaponize federal enforcement. Biden's proposed budget of 
$8 trillion. By the way, see tripwire number one, banking and inflation. Would, if, if this goes through, it would increase the funding to the ATF to $1.9 billion. That's $700 million of an increase from when uh, he was vice president under Obama. Wow. Biden stated he's going after guns. I think he's serious. Uh, it, well, I mean, we should have known that when you look at the recent executive order he signed just last week. It's a, well, it's kind of a, kind of makes you wonder what the, FB, uh, what the ATF is uh, about to do with $1.9 billion, doesn't it? All of these things are examples of Democratic sleight of hand. Concentrate on Trump. Concentrate on Trump but not how they're busy transforming the country or how we are about to just be destroyed. This could collapse us. This could collapse us. This could collapse us. Turn us into a, a, a communist authoritarian state. The destruction of energy. How do you think this is going to work out? Russia, China, war. Wow. Any of these things, any of these things could collapse our country. Definitely don't look at Joe Biden himself. I mean, don't, don't. Uh, Listen to Representative James Comer here. Uh, Do you have any comment about Trump potentially being indicted on Tuesday? Well, it's very odd uh, that this would come out just the very next day after I revealed bank records, which showed that the Mm. Biden family, the president in particular, hasn't been truthful uh, with respect to his family receiving payments directly from the Chinese Communist Party. So it almost looks like it's a, an effort to detract. Wow. Wow. So banking the border, weaponized government, destruction of energy, war with Russia and China, loss of speech on Title IX. I don't know if you saw that. That's happening. You're going to have to say whatever the pronouns are. Otherwise, you're under arrest. Oh, and the Pentagon is uh, now programming AI to crawl the entire web so they, you know, they, they can stop your speech. They'll know. Oh, that's great. But maybe, possibly, the Trump arrest leak came out just one day after the House Oversight Committee released a memorandum. Bank records revealed that multiple Bidens were receiving payments from a Chinese energy company. You know, the country that is threatening us and we're threatening them because they're an enemy of ours, I guess. But you wouldn't know it from Gretchen Whitmer. You see that deal she just made? with? It's fantastic. Read all about that. This news also coincided with another major story. Hunter Biden filed a lawsuit going after the owner of the computer repair shop that exposed the Hunter Biden laptop. So the laptop is real and it is his. And now he's admitted it wasn't a Russian hoax. He should have pointed that out earlier. So now either this is insanely coincidental and amazing lucky timing for the Bidens, or it was done to intentionally distract us. Which do you think it is? The House reveals damning, damning information, making the Bidens look guilty. 
Then Hunter Biden sues the laptop repair shop owner. Then a leak states that Trump is about to be arrested. Wow, incredible timing. So if all of this were part of a giant distraction operation, what, what has them so scared? China. China. You know, Joe Biden hasn't spoken to President Z one time. He hasn't talked to him since the spy balloon. That all happened. He hadn't gotten him on the phone. What's going on with that? Told you about Gretchen Whitmer just a minute ago. Seven hundred and I think fifty million dollars in taxpayer money to a Chinese company in Michigan that in in their their doctrine, in their their bylaws as a company, it says they have to bring people into the party and have a little youth communist party. These are communists. So are the Chinese our friends or their enemies? Because I keep picking up mixed signals here. Which are they? Or is it that maybe the Chinese have something, shall I say, compromising on somebody that's important and their family? Bank subpoenas revealed less than two months after Biden left the White House in 2017 that a Chinese company called State Energy 8 HK Hong Kong Limited wired $3 million to Robison Walker LLC, a limited liability company. What a surprise. Uh, in Delaware. Yeah, okay. So these guys in Hong Kong, what do they do? They provide energy for Hong Kong. And they're into this Green New Deal, too. So they had $3 million sitting around, and they're like, what are we going to do with that? Well, I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to, we need to get the best energy experts that are fluent in Mandarin and get them over here right away. What are their ideas for new energy? And so they went looking, and they found Rob Walker. He's great. His business account only had $159,000 in it and then the chinese call and then he had three million dollars in his account he's got to be somebody important now the very next day walker wired over a million dollars to a company associated to a business partner of hunter biden's names james galar so he's he's like i i gotta get somebody else that speaks mandarin you know and is up on energy. So James, he gets a million dollars. Over the next three months, Walker would send incremental payments to multiple Bidens and their companies, including Hunter Biden, James Biden, that's Joe's brother, really the better looking one, I would, I mean, I think. But that's not enough. I mean, Hunter Biden, sure, we know he can speak Ukrainian, right? So, he knows about gas and oil. So he's, of course, you got to do it. James, he's got to have some of that money, too, because he's got something important to say. But if you really want to get the expert on energy in China, you go right to the source. It's Hallie. Hallie Biden, Bo Biden's ex-wife, and <laughs> just the sexy, sexy uh, girlfriend of Bo Biden's brother, Hunter, you got to get this team together. Now, 
There is another set of money that went in. We don't know who it is. It's just listed as Biden. Spokesperson for Hunter Biden stated, quote, Hunter Biden, a private citizen with every right to pursue his own business endeavors, joined several business partners in seeking a joint venture with a legitimate energy company in China. Hunter received his portion of good faith seed funds, which he shared with his uncle James and and Hallie and and nobody else. Okay, so now we've gone from this laptop is Russian to now this laptop is mine and I'm going to sue. And now we find out, yeah, I did do that, but it was totally legitimate. And I did not give it to the big guy, uh, the other Biden. It was so legitimate, why did this Chinese company use a pass-through of this porker? And I say that, I know porkers, look at me. Why did they disperse the funds incrementally over several months? I mean, why don't you just do it? And why was it done just a couple of months after Joe Biden left office? And if Hunter didn't share uh, this money with anyone else, Who's the mysterious Biden? I mean, I'm just saying. If I'm trying to play, mm, I don't know, let's say pay for play, and I'm trying to hide that, I would wait to receive money from a company from a foreign adversary just a few months after I left office. If I'm trying to conceal it even further, I split it up in a whole bunch of payments and run it through, run it through a bunch of people. You know what I mean? And who is the Chinese company? Well, it's State Energy uh, HK Limited. That's who that is. You know, they're into energy and stuff. Yeah. Well, we did some digging around. We found they have a a finger in a lot of different things, including a Hong Kong investment uh, company uh, focused on the distribution of garments. Wow. Well, maybe that's what Hallie, I don't want to be sexist, but I mean, she's a sharp dresser. Their main focus does appear to be energy, however, and they made multiple purchases of green energy companies around the time they wired $3 million to Robinson Walker, which is weird because this is our green energy president. It would be weird if he was making money or being helping out, you know, the green energy over in China. And then he's like, I'm all in for green energy. That seems like a conflict. Again, rather curious. The Bidens had made the green revolution their biggest issue. Biden is the biggest green lobbyist in the world right now. And a Chinese company that buys up shares in green energy companies is sending money to the Bidens. Now, I'm not saying this is pay for play, but this is exactly what it would look like if it were. The New York Times reported that State Energy HK Limited is affiliated with another Chinese company called CEFC Energy. Now, this is where it gets really weird, okay? Yeah, Hunter's Laptop mentioned a very lucrative business deal that he was working on when he was working with CEFC. The emails that were definitely Russian, but now definitely his, included a profit-sharing breakdown that showed who would get the money. This is where we first heard the phrase, 10 for the big guy.
amazing coincidence because this company here uh, uses a pass-through uh, to wire multiple payments known uh, to somebody known only as Biden. Biden, big guy, same people. Now, weird. Were the payments sent to Hallie, who has got to be an energy, green energy, Chinese green energy genius? Or was it meant for the big guy? I, I don't know. We still don't know. Perhaps we'll never know. And all the while this is going on, the Democrats are trying to arrest Trump for misrepresenting legal fees, a misdemeanor. They want to make it a felony. Something Hillary Clinton did, but was let off with a $10,000 fine. So, uh, sorry, $100,000 fine. Um, you know, it's weird. It seems like this is what's really going on. And they don't want you looking at any of these things over here. It seems almost like the Trump thing is a sham, a mockery, a very good distraction. Don't fall for it. Back in a minute. I wanted to bring on the author of multiple books on political corruption, including his most recent, Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. This book holds, uh, doesn't hold anything back, and it, it punches both left and right. His book, Secret Empires, will blow your mind. It explains how politicians use their positions to enrich their family and friends. I don't know what this has to do with the Bidens. Peter Schweizer is foremost expert on what people like the Bidens are up to in places like Ukraine and China. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, sir? It's great. Great always to be with you, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, Peter, I remember uh, you came on, and I think it was for Secret Empires, and you said to me off air, Glenn, Joe Biden is probably the most corrupt uh, vice president that we've ever had in the history of America. And I was like, oh, yeah, it must be bad. <laughs> I had no idea how bad this really is. Yeah, they, I mean, I remember that meeting, Glenn. It yeah. was in uh, 2018 in Dallas. Yeah. I, I remember it well. And honestly, in 2018, I didn't know the full extent of it. Right. Um, but what you find is by breadth, meaning the number of family members involved and the depth meaning the amount of money and the foreign entities that are involved in. I don't know any other family, political family, that is as bad as the Bidens are. And that's counting the Clintons and everybody else that we've known over the years. I mean, if they were, if they were involved with pharmaceutical companies, I could understand maybe Hallie, but definitely Hunter. They have drug experience. But do they have any experience at all with energy companies? Do they speak Mandarin? Do they anything? <laughs> no, I, I, I got nothing for you, Glenn. I mean, that's the you know, you look at the timeline of this. Joe Biden becomes vice president of the United States. He's sworn in in January of 2009. Within five months, Hunter Biden sets up an international finance company. He has no international business experience, no real finance experience. Uh, and then within a year of setting up this new company for which he has no background, 
He's in China meeting with the top officials. I'm talking about the equivalent of the uh, you know, secretary of the Treasury, the head of the Federal Reserve, the head of UBS, the head of Goldman Sachs. He meets with 11 of them. Um, so anybody who wants to argue that, well, you know, he's just a businessman trying to find his way, uh, the timeline and the history simply does not match. We know so, exactly what's going on here. It's obvious. And I think as this congressional investigation moves on, we're going to get more and more pieces of it. So so again, I just what is their background? Do they have <laughs> Hallie, the, the brother? What's his uh, name? James. What is the, do they have anything they're bringing to the table of substance that you could say, okay, well, maybe? No. I mean, you know, Hunter went to law school, but he never practiced any kind of corporate or finance law. James Biden, his other brother, Frank Biden, they've always been hangers on with Joe. Uh, they ran Joe's campaigns in the early years, uh, and then they, you know, sort of orbited him. They'd get contracts and, and, and other things because of who their brother was. So, no, there's never been any substance okay. to it. Uh, and it's one thing, Glenn, when you're talking about, you know, the local uh, business or the local road contractor who wants a federal paving contract. We're not talking about this. We're talking about the globalization of corruption, foreign oligarchs and entities that want to shape and steer the direction of our country. Okay, that's so, China, that's Russia, that's Ukraine. So here's what disturbs me so much. Um, you have natural gas pipelines coming from Russia. They suddenly explode. I'm sure it's the raccoon dog in China that did it. <laughs> they explode. That helps the green energy movement that shuts Russia out. It also makes them more dependent on gas. Whoa, what a surprise. Wasn't Hunter Biden involved with gas in Ukraine and all kinds of things in Ukraine? Then the other one is green energy in China. While the president becomes the biggest green energy advocate of any time of all time. Peter, this this is beyond corruption. You're dealing with China at this time. It becomes treason at some point, does it not? Well, you know, Glenn, look at the two hotspots, Ukraine and China right now. And let's talk about Biden entanglements briefly. Uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine, I think he's doing a great job of fighting off Russia, and we should help them fight off Russia. But the problem is Zelensky is a very corrupt political figure. Who's his chief backer? It's publicly known. It's a Ukrainian oligarch named Kolomoisky. Who is Kolomoisky? Kolomoisky was one of the owners of Burisma, which is the energy company that was paying Hunter Biden a million dollars a year, even though he had no background in energy. Peter, if you look, hang, on, hang on just a sec. Before you yeah. leave Ukraine, have you found any link to all of the money that we are sending over to Ukraine to Kolomoisky? Well, here's what we know. We sent aid dollars to Ukraine before. Uh, we helped the IMF um, send some eight to $10 billion about 10 years ago to bolster the financial system in right. Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Eight billion of it l was lost. And it was lost uh, by Privat Bank, which is owned by Kolomoisky. So my view is, Send the Ukrainians weapons, send them food stuff. Do not send them cash.
because it is going to end up in the pockets of these oligarchs who recycle it, by the way, by giving it to American political figures and consultants Mm. in the United States. Isn't that amazing? Imagine what could be done to the world with $120 billion just floating around out there. Exactly right. Uh, Okay, come back in just a minute with, uh, no, there's no... Just there's nothing. There's no business experience with Hallie. Wow, I find, why would the Chinese do that? All right, back in just a minute. You know, wouldn't it be just like these forward thinkers, these progressives, to uh, try to take Trump and book him and that way, when this trial goes through, they can go, There's, this is just revenge for what happened to Donald Trump. I mean, the games these guys play is just amazing. Um, is there, do, do we have any other Biden that th- could be the mystery Biden on this? I mean, could it be Frank Biden that got this extra money and not Joe? Uh, it could be. Um, you know, here's the thing that's pretty surprising, Glenn, is uh, first of all, Seems like every member of the Biden family has multiple LLCs. Uh, it's not clear what their businesses are, but they have multiple LLCs. And it also goes to the point that money is highly fungible in the Biden family. You know, the, the defense has always been Joe didn't profit from this. Joe wasn't involved in these deals as if money is sort of hermetically sealed within the Biden family. Right. Uh, this is just further evidence of what we've known before, which is the money sloshes around Hunter Biden was paying Joe Biden's bills. He was paying for renovations on his home. Uh, And and this is a Biden family story with Joe Biden at the center of it. It's not just a Hunter Biden or Hallie Biden story. You and I have talked about this so many times, and I've never thought that they were going to pay the price for this at all. But the evidence that's mounting up and the admission through that lawsuit that that is his laptop and it's legitimate, uh, that's not good. You think they'll pay a price? Well, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. We'll have to see what the revelations are. But I certainly think there are lots of potential crimes that have been committed here. And we've got this grand jury. Remember, it was convened about four months after Secret Empires came out when you and I talked about it. Uh, and that grand jury is still going on. Uh, I have several friends who are former U.S. attorneys. They say it is highly unusual for a grand jury to continue to meet this long unless they're actually working on, on something substantial. They don't just keep mm. these things going right. for no reason. So I do think there are going to be indictments against Hunter Biden. And I do think the congressional committees are going to give us real hard evidence that Joe Biden benefited from these deals with China. And then it's going to be up to voters uh, to make up their mind whether these things matter to them. And in my mind, they absolutely should. So um, let me go to Trump. because, And I like you, Peter, because you play, you hit both sides hard. Um, yeah. Trump, they have gone after everything they could. And I, I told him one time, we were having dinner, and I said, you know, I can't believe you're as clean as you are. You were, you were building buildings in New York. I thought for <laughs> sure you were going to have something. And he's been so investigated, uh, but now they're trying to make this into a felony, which Hillary Clinton paid a fine for. Same thing. Are they going to get away with this? Do you think they actually indict him? We have a minute. 
Uh, I think they they probably are going to indict him. And look, the problem we, we have with the criminal justice system in America today is this trial is going to be held in Manhattan. And you don't know what you're going to get with a jury, uh, just like you didn't know what you were going to get with the Bannon case in D.C. And I think what the Bidens are banking on is if that Hunter's indicted, that trial is going to be held in Delaware. Um, so, you know, I, I would not put it past him for the indictment. Uh, and I would be concerned about what this jury is going to do in a political trial, which is really what this is, not a criminal trial in terms of Trump. Is there any way to say I won't get a fair trial here? I, I want a change of venue? Even if uh, it I was would ups- think there would be. Yeah, there has think, to be. Yeah, I would think there would be, or depending who the judge is, maybe you want to judge. But um, look, I, I don't know exactly what went on. I'm not a lawyer, but to me, um, they have been trying everything. Yep. This is a classic example of we found the man. Now let's try to find, find the, the crime, crime so we yep. can put him behind bars. Peter, thank you very much. Thanks, Glenn. You bet.